Forgotten Flicks, episode 94, DC Cab, 1983, fool. Wait a minute. We better think about this before we do something. I'm sorry, brother. I don't have a minute, so you can do what you want to do. But I owe Albert for helping me find the things I never had before, like pride and dignity. So I'm going out there after them, because the least I can find is my self-respect. And the most I can find is Albert and them kids. I don't know about you, but I like what I became these past few weeks. And I ain't never going back to being what I was before. Never! Hello and welcome to the 94th episode of the Forgotten Flicks podcast, the podcast where we're talking about the movies you grew up with. I'm Joel, joined by that little lovable crustacean himself, Jason. You know, what's important to remember here is... What's that? Don't let your dick run your life. You know, that's, that's important. An, you know what? You know, it may be even more important than that, and this was originally <laughs> going to be my opener... But I had, I'm sorry, it was Mr. T. I mean, pretty sure there's a law that if you have a Mr. T movie, you have to open with a Mr. T monologue. So this, this is also great advice or actually maybe where it's a great observation about life. Uh Uh-huh. Bernard, you know, the only thing wrong with oral sex. Huh? The view. I agree with I agree with Mr. Uh, Mr. Busey. Uh, I think this is a good point. Uh, probably would have been a, a minute or two ago to point out. Uh, this is going to be I'm going to go out on a limb and guess a particularly explicit episode. Uh, Why would you say that? <laughs> because actually, that's probably the most explicit soundbite I have. Uh, Okay, well, this is a particularly explicit movie, so uh, fair warning: you saw the E when you downloaded it, so suck yeah, it. As, as long as <laughs> as long as somebody who sets up the Forgotten Flicks posts remembered to check the little box that says explicit, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. If not, uh, we're sorry, church people. Please don't uh, boycott our show. Yes, please, please don't. And. <laughs> I think before we begin with your synopsis, which should be oh so entertaining. <laughs> I've practiced. And unlike the Daryl episode, I'm hoping that before minute 58, I could potentially say how I felt about this movie since you recommended it. <clears throat> I am going to hit us with. Ready for it? Yeah. Ready yeah. for it? Please. A little JV action. The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at... Netflix. Streaming! We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, 
already in progress. And let's just say that hypothetically you don't have Netflix streaming, so hypothetically you might be able to, I don't know, put in DC Cab full movie in a certain number two search engine after Google that's owned by Google. That's all video that you would... Um, uh, you would view like you did the old boob tube days. So it's almost like a you uh, tube kind of thing. Yeah, uh, a tube that you would watch. But yeah. that's a complete hypothetical. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just, whatever. Because otherwise you could probably find this on the bestsellers rack at Best Buy. So you can, you can head there as well. Or, uh, or your local Blockbuster. Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, mm-hmm. you so. Uh, yeah, yeah, that will be. So uh, thank you, JV, for uh, pointing that out. Uh, spoilers, ahoy. Yes. Cause this is, uh, yes. <laughs> um, before we seriously. begin, before we begin, had you seen this movie before? Um, as I was watching it, I tried to recall if any of it looked familiar mm-hmm. because when we talked about doing it, I thought, Oh, that I remember the title and I obviously I remember it being a Mr. T movie, but I don't know if I've actually seen all of this. Okay. I, this may be one that I've seen. I don't want to say bits and pieces of the whole thing. I may have seen a snippet of one bit, maybe. I, I had never seen it. It is one of the, there's a couple of movies from that time period that for whatever reason I didn't see, but I always thought of as being part of the same group. And those were the yeah. na- naughty adult comedies that yes. my friends whose parents were far more, let's just say, <laughs> open-minded about what their kids saw would see and then tell liberal. me about yeah 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 a little just a just a wee bit more liberal than than my folks were well actually yeah. my, my dad once he got divorced he's like whatever kid as long as it ain't a snuff film well, well and if it is off? i just don't want to hear about it what will this piss your mother off yeah let's, let's will, this, will this will this will this really piss her well i think you should see it it'll be good for you and whatever you do don't t- don't get a guilt trip and then tell her Cut to 24 hours after he's dropped me back off. I'm so sorry, sorry, Mom. (laughs) I'm weak. (laughs) Daddy gives me the bad movies and I watch them. Sure, I go to the video store, pick them all up, and and beg him to get them. And then he says, just don't tell your mother. Hey, what? (laughs) Oh, God, I still need therapy. So, yes, I never saw it. I've always been familiar with it. It's funny, there's one moment in the movie where Mr. T rips a door off its hinges and comes yeah. storming in. I remember to this day seeing that in the trailer on TV. Really? I can that image is very much as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh wow. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember thinking this was a Mr. T movie as well. And I remember the rumblings at that time. I mean, I was what seven, eight years old, something like that yeah. of it being a big deal because it was a Mr. T movie, but it was an R Right, right. Movie as well. So, Jason. All right. <laughs> Synopsize so I very, I very carefully planned this because going into it, I thought, all right, haven't seen it or, like I said, a bit of it maybe. Uh, and uh, I wanted to make plenty of notes. And as I'm watching it, I thought, oh, I've really got to keep the synopsis short um, because we have so much to talk about. Um, so here – I have decided mm-hmm. I'm just going to go with the general, the short uh, synopsis. I want to save time. Okay. And- <laughs> so I'm just stalling. No, uh, I'm just going to read the IMDb synopsis because this is generally the story 
of two people, mm-hmm. and then there are a cast of characters around them. I, I would say fair? it's an ensemble piece, yes. It is. It is. It's definitely an ensemble piece because there's lots of characters that are, take a lot of camera time. So the tale of a hapless group of cabbies mm-hmm. in Washington, Oh, those D.C. hapless cabbies. Hapless. And a rundown cab company owned by Harold. Albert comes to town with a dream of starting his own cab company, but needs to motivate Harold's employees to want to make something out of themselves. It is only when Albert is kidnapped that the cabbies Mm. must decide whether or not they are loyal to Albert and his cause. Translation, you would need that spoiler alert we gave you at the beginning of the show on IMDb. Uh, Possibly. Uh, I would would say the kidnapping yeah, that's kind that's of a... the plot twist that leads you into the third act of the movie. It's <laughs> there are plenty of other twists, twists uh, and uh, turns. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into some stats. On yes, this. that's part. I wanted to give a short synopsis because there's some things. First of all, um, it is uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, which I did not know. Found that intriguing. Yep, uh, I did not know he was connected to it when I suggested it. From or the, the man who gave us list. the two best Batman movies. And Dying Young, starring <laughs> Julia Roberts. <laughs> yes, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which... Where uh, the bat suit has nipples, and apparently <laughs> Batman and Robin can breathe in atmosphereless space. Because they ride a spaceship lid back down to... I don't even know what the hell that... that. <laughs> <sighs> yes, this is definitely an example of a director whom... Uh, we have mixed feelings for because he has also done some fantastic yes, films he, he loves, including Lost Boys, Flatliners. Falling Down. Uh, yep, Falling Down. So there are some great ones in there, but there's some eh, um, interesting know. ones. Let's just say that. Yes. Um, so it, it is, uh, like I said, Joel Schumacher, he did in 1983, and it has an ensemble cast that even surprised me. Because going into it, the only person I remembered being in it, because clearly that's the one that they billed for the time, was Mr. T. Did you pity the fool? <laughs> so I'm going to go down a list. Yes. Before we get into talk about the movie, I at least want to talk about some of the people in it. Because that's, I think, one of the biggest stories of this, one of the three biggest that I wrote down, biggest stories of this film. The other two would be the woman in the back of the cab. (laughs) Uh, She would be a part of one of the stories. (laughs) Because that wasn't gratuitous. No. Um, So starting off with Harold, who owns the cab company, he's a Vietnam vet. Um, As as many (laughs) as many characters were in early 80s comedies. Yes. Uh, So. I'll get into that in a minute. Played by Max Gale, whom I, to be honest, I watched this thinking, oh my God, where do I know him from? Where do I know him? I know where you know him from. And I kept thinking, where do I know him? I recognize him, but he looks young. And, you know, he's in this, he's got a full, thick beard, long hair, but balding on, you know, kind of thinning on top. And um, uh, he's kind of a 'er ne'er-do-well owner of the company. But I was like, I know him from somewhere. Where do you think I knew him from? I know where I knew him from. No, you just said I. you knew where I knew him from. Well, I'm assuming it's the same place I knew him from. Probably. Barney Miller. Yes. Wojo Wojowitz or... 
Yeah, Wojohowicz. Wojohowicz, I would say, yeah. Yeah, and Wojo. And I remember, because my dad watched this. And I, I actually really remember, like, my parents watched it, too, and I remember really liking that show. Yeah, it seemed funny. I mean, I remember... Uh, Abe Bogota. Uh, yeah, Abe Bogota, of course. Hal Linden played uh, Barney, yeah. you know, the captain of the whole thing. I always thing. remember he would slam the door and it would break at the end, right? The intro, yes, yeah. the credit sequence, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't realize that until after, and I watched. So anyway, he's the primary owner of the cab company. I had no idea him albert who is what they don't tell you in the synopsis is albert's a, a kid you know a 20s you know young 20s kid um who is the son of harold's vietnam army buddy yes he shows up and says his dad you know his dad has passed away and he's trying to find his way in the world and you know uh he's he's looking to kind of uncle harold to help him out played by freaking adam baldwin yes so that blew me away. I'm like, holy crap! He looks really young in this, but you know, it's like of course I said, the 20s. biggest the biggest twist of Adam Baldwin's existence. He's not a Baldwin brother. No, no, no. But you know, it doesn't hurt his uh, his status. No, yeah. Do you think like like there was like a de facto rule that if your last name's Baldwin and you're a decent looking guy, you just get into Hollywood? And they're like, okay, well. I think so. I think they just assume as long as you're not as long as you're not ugly and down the Baldwin name. Uh, Even so, I'm thinking that some executives like, is he a brother? I don't know. Is he one of the brothers? I don't know. I think we better just bring him on. All all I have to do is just kind of all I have to do is come into one of the. Don't even tell Alex. Alex, yeah, please. yeah, he just he just he just comes in for the audition and and just yeah, right. drops his voice a little bit, adds a little rasp to it, and <laughs> and I, I'm I'm here for the, I'm here for the audition, right? And. Uh, <laughs> Oh wow! Um, it's in your wallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what's what's in your wallet? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, he was a young kid in it, and then of course, Mr. T, uh, who plays uh, uh, Samson. Sam- By the way, we'll did you did did you love that? At every <laughs> available opportunity, his entire existence in the movie is meant to be some kind of PSA about something. Whether it yes, be yeah. hookers going down on ultra <laughs> rich, rich white old men in the back of his cab, this ain't a motel. Have some respect for yourself. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or the or the niece <laughs> hanging out with. I guess they were pimp drug deal. I'm, I'm drug not, dealers with a expensive kind like, of like Hitler esque Rolls Royce Cadillac looking. Like yeah, yeah, kind of car. car. All the kids thought it was really cool. I'm thinking, wouldn't they have thought like a Lamborghini you was cool? I, I can't compete with the car. That's yeah. what. Yes, but we won't give away how he no. ends up. <laughs> oh no, please. Um, and then of course, as as you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, one of the cabbie because it's a whole bunch of crazy cabbies, all mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. Uh, personalities. Gary Busey, uh, which of course most of you know from uh, from the news. Crazy Town, uh, Mugshots. <laughs> <laughs> You know, from mugshots and your TMZ website. <laughs> yes. the smoking gun. Nonetheless, crazy. How guy. high do you, I, I, allegedly, Wait. how high do you think he was? Listen, I don't know. Listen, I'm going to say this. I don't know Mr. Busey. And I say this about all the celebrities that we talk about in that. I don't know them personally. And so all of this comes from my view of their persona. Now, For all just, you smart asses out there, no, we're not going to name drop. Go ahead. Uh, no. Uh, view of their persona. So the person that, that, that I see as filtered through media. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is the coked up crazy what you expect him to this be. Actually, I, the whole time I'm thinking, I bet this is pretty much how he is 
in regular life. Like, this is he thought he was filming a documentary. <laughs> he was just spending six weeks preparing for a cabbie role. Yes. <laughs> and he was just going by the nickname Dell. Right. Yep. I, I get to be a cabbie for it. Yeah. Jake so. Dell Busey. And he is. Uh, and, and I want to talk about him, too. Oh, Gary. Uh, I'm sorry. Jake's his son, isn't it? I meant, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Gary Busey. Busey. Yeah, my bad. Um, so then, uh, uh, Gloria Gifford is in this as well. She plays Miss Floyd. She's a young girl in this, and she was in Halloween Two and Forty Eight Hours. Not, but, not, not bad on the eyes. Uh, not ugly. Not ugly. No. Um, Bill, Ma- Bill Maher is yes, in this. Yes, I know. Mar- Which, and and I have a little something from Mr. Maher for later. Yep. Another one. Uh, I, so- I another quote I almost opened up with. So he kind of plays a, a struggling musician that gives the PSA about don't waste your life away, man. You gotta would, okay, look, 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 smart ass. That would be the line. I, I oh, sorry, because I, I think that's his one. That's his one monologue in the entire yes, thing. Yes, so, pretty much is. <laughs> Paul Rodriguez, uh, who is a comedian of yep. our time yep. period, um, uh, stand up, most known for um, Whitman Mayo, who played. Yep. Mr. Rhythm, Mr. the guy Rhythm. that uh, I did gave the quote from, don't let your dick run your life. He kind of plays a homeless guy living in a in a crushed up home, you know, a, cab, um, yeah. derelict cab, right, um, who I knew him from and recognized him right away. He was in uh, um, Sanford's son. He was yep. great. Yep. So uh, he was uh, in that and played in this. Uh, and then um, uh, um, this is the one that took me the longest, and I actually cheated on this one. Because I got to the end of the movie, I'm like, where the hell do I know her from? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. And I didn't. I, I, I did not her. have to cheat. I knew exactly who it was. I didn't, and I had to freaking cheat. I was like, where, where can, do can I say, okay. can I say her character name? Not, not from this movie, but the one that you should have immediately known her from. Yes, go ahead. It's Roz. It is Roz. I know. So Marsha Warfield <laughs> uh, is in this movie, and uh, she is Roz from Night Court. Yep. But she plays Ophelia in this. She's like the one cabbie that really has her life together or is trying, trying to, and yeah. really giving effort. And as, the, a, as a kid, or so she claims, because I, I don't believe we ever saw it. Never show. You never see him. And uh, the rival cab company, Emerald Cab. Yes, uh, is Emerald Cab. Her way. Which, which, by the way, did they ever explain why they wanted her so bad? Because she keeps getting, she as she points out early on. She keeps getting robbed by the same guy at the same corner. I believe she said yeah, every so day. You think she'd drive a different direction or be prepared when he's going to show up or uh, yeah. yeah, any number of, of <laughs> variables there you could change to maybe make it to where you're not getting robbed constantly. So I'm curious why Emerald, the Emerald company, cab company wanted her so damn bad. <laughs> I have no idea, but she was kind of playing the, I got to get out of this crazy uh, establishment, and that's where um, uh, uh, Harold was trying to say, "No, you can't leave us. We need your help." And he he got her to stay. Uh, so she Harold's was the my one. favorite kind of Vietnam vet because he's come back. He's all like grizzled out, wearing the Grateful <laughs> Dead T-shirt, but yet still. So you think he's one of these anti-war hippie vet types, but then he busts out with a friggin' Vietnam era flamethrower <laughs> in his house. So, and he shoots it into the freaking So what you realize place. is he's not a hippie. He's not a warmonger. He's just batshit crazy. He's just, and he's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and he don't care. He just doesn't give a damn. Exactly right. and, with uh, a wife li- <laughs> and with a wife like Myrna, <laughs> I can't imagine why. 
<laughs> with a name like Schmuckers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah. So anyway, um, then there were a couple others that were in this that were surprises for me. Uh, spoiler alert, the kidnapping part. John Dial? Yes, I recognized him. Yep. Yeah, he was. Uh, he plays kind of the crazy guy that's the the head kidnapper, or at least the one that they show. And uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in um, most recent memory one. It was uh, like Jurassic Park three. Yeah, he was in he's that. one of those character actors that you've seen in everything, yet you couldn't immediately pinpoint any one thing. Yes, because his roles are always substantial to where he stands out it's the whole there's no small actors or no is it no small parts only small small actors he plays right. smaller parts and he's really plays good but yeah. i can't off the top of my head think of anything because what it is your brain i think wants to think of things he's starred in and i don't know no. of really too i don't much. think he has i think he was i mean he had a recurring role on the shield which was relatively big yeah um and he had that and then he but he's played uh kind of parallel roles. like i said it, it was in um uh, Jurassic Park three, but he's in Stargate, the movie, uh, with James Spader. Mm -hmm. And then, um, he was also in, um, the, uh, uh, I wrote this down and I forgot my note burn notice, the TV movie that they did. He was in that. So, I mean, it's one See, of those. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love burn yeah, notice, he never but I don't remember yeah. him in that. Is it the Sam ax movie that he was in? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember which one it was. I just wrote down burn oh, notice. Well, you said TV. the TV movie. Well, they yeah, only, yeah, that was the one, right? Okay, they only did the fall one. Sam it was the Sam Axe one. Okay. Yeah. With Bruce, yeah. So, I mean, he's with Bruce, like we know him. Go ahead, continue. Uh, with my boy, Bruce. Yeah. My yeah, boy, my boy. Um, <laughs> he has 136 acting titles. There so, you, he's, you would definitely recognize oh, yeah. him. Totally. So, um, he was in it. And then, um, probably one of the most disturbing uh, storylines in the movie um, <laughs> uh, our boy, the, the, the young. Um, uh, uh, Adam Baldwin playing Albert yes. in this. He comes in, and I would say mid twenties, early twenties, something like that, right? Yeah, mid twenties, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, no, I think he's, he's supposed to maybe twenty. Like he's supposed to be pretty young. Yeah, like yeah. out of high school, like just out of high school. Yeah, maybe. Because keeping in mind, if his dad just died, these guys were in Nam, even if they were in the earlier parts of, of Nam, like sixty seven like sixty five to sixty eight, let's say. This is eighty three. So he would and, 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 well, and keep in mind uh, he's he's dating we I know where you're about to go with this, why it's disturbing. That's why I, th I think he's supposed to be like nineteen or twenty. I don't think he's supposed to be that much older than her. Did you fill that in because of the story piece? You're kind of like, all right, I it, can at first my knee jerk reaction was like like, whoa. Like I actually thought when she said how old she was that yeah. he was gonna be like uh oh, but they didn't. He was like almost like a. She's <laughs> <laughs> only so. seventeen. Oh. Seventeen should give you love like you. <laughs> wow, that song so, is messed up. Because that would be oh. wrong. One of the uh, little plot lines that goes on is is uh, the cabbies from DC Cab, the company. Uh, they all meet like for their company meetings in this little diner. It's it's a very typical dive diner. Uh, they meet this long table and they all you know food and everything and they talk and that's where they have all the scenes of like them discussing the big elements of what's going to happen with the company. And in the diner, there are basically two. Two females. One is the waitress that serves them, and she's the grandma, right? Yes. Uh, 
I didn't write her down. I don't remember uh, her name, but she plays like the main waitress and she is the no nonsense. Uh, get out of my, my diner when they're acting up kind of uh, woman. Well, her granddaughter is working back in the kitchen and she's, it looks like a waitress too, but you know, she's working the tickets. Well, she makes eyeballs at Albert and he makes eyes at her and she grandma sees it and says, uh, uh-uh. uh, one of these days, uh, a fine young boy is going to come through that door with chocolates and with flowers, and he is going to ask me for permission for my grant. And so, of course, that's what Albert does at one point, and he tries to be real. Totally not a, predictable, by the way. Not at all. It was a twist. It was like one of those Himalaya roads. And um, <laughs> it, she, it, so it was it was like a purple nurple. It, it was like the plot equivalent of a purple nurple. It was such a twist. <laughs> it was. <laughs> So I, lo- I love that phrase, purple nurple. I can say I it do. over and over again. Purple nurple. Makes my boys crack up. It just, I don't have to say anything else. It'll just, it'll put them in stitches for like 20 minutes. So. And then you stop that and you make the crying start because you actually give them one. <laughs> right. No, no, no. No laughter in this house. <laughs> so, of course, you know, she's got a thing against cabbies because they have no future. But then Albert comes in and does the whole, I'm going to make something of my life as a cabbie. And I want to take your granddaughter out. And I even bought you a book of Southern homes. What? Uh, so uh, anyway, I believe he said, wait, wait, I believe he said the finest. Finest Southern homes. Southern butter homes. Book. So she's like, okay, you can take her out. So they go out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're making out. Wait, have you said yet who her granddaughter uh, was played by? So, said Albert is in the back of his cab, necking. Yep. We're going to go there. Necking. With one Jill freaking Sholin. Yep. Who we've talked about before. FYI, I just looked it up. I just looked it up. He is, I don't even think he's a full year older than she is in real life. Uh, in re- really? Yep. Nope. He was 1962. They, they she was 1963. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I can also add this caveat. I thought she was, she was, 20. She, was she was freaking adorable. And I can say that because she was yes, 20. She was cute. Had she not and been, she, I would have kept that to my dance. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was, uh, 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 cuter and more legal than when she looked in stepfather. So, um, which, which is four years later. Yes, I know. But she plays a daughter kind of thing. It just, Thinking anyway, so in this, ah, she's it's easy for us those of us that don't have daughters, huh, Jay? <laughs> <kidding>. You asshat. <laughs> <laughs> so she's definitely very cute and 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 yeah, very angelic yes. in this, young looking, you know. And they're they're necking in the back of the cab. They're making out. He's going for second, and he's like, "Why is your grandma so, uh, you know, so so? I don't know what what he said. Like, why is she so against me? What's the problem?" And he's like. Well, until I turn 18, she's still my legal guardian. I'm like, whoa! Yeah, but see, I think, can I be honest with you? I think that reaction, much <clears throat> like my reaction to the, let's just say, hmm, subtle racial tone. Wait, I'm going to get to that. Okay. That's my okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway. So but, but I, think, I, think, I think your reaction to that is heavily grounded in your perspective from 2013. No doubt. And I, and I recognize that because I actually thought about that, that, okay, if I had seen this when I was, you know, a teenager. Well, I don't even mean like how I think had you been a grown person in that time, uh, I, I think the attitude was a little bit no, different. I don't think so. I don't think it's that different. Dude, he's I only think supposed that, to be like 19 years old, man. I'm telling you, he's not that much older than her. No, 
I get it. And I think that it does come from the fact that I'm <clears throat> a little bit older than they are. And I think that and you have a, a few daughters your age. And so, <laughs> wah, 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 wah. so it definitely, that colors it. So I thought about it and it was actually a funny series of reactions. I was like, Oh my God, what the hell are you? Holy shit. I'm old. Stop thinking that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's really not that bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so who has the problem, Jason? <laughs> oh, it's mine. <laughs> um, but it was just funny, and it, and it, that the whole series of my thoughts as I saw that scene play out. But the cool thing was they never made a deal out of it. It wasn't Mm-mm. he never really like, oh my god, you're and they didn't make it. I a expected that. I honestly expected that. I did. And to your point and, about they never made a deal out of it, they really didn't because I'm pretty confident it was shortly thereafter that she completely disappeared from the storyline up until the point where he shows back up in the diner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it she kind of falls off as a character, but. Um, I didn't recognize her at first when I saw her. Oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah. No, no. No, she, uh, well, hold on, wait, real quick. Was, did you get the impression she was the chick outside of the male strip club that they showed up at? Yes, and that was, I. and afterwards I thought about that. I blame that on editing uh, because they played this whole idea that all the cabbies are going to a strip club and they all attracted all these ladies outside and it was a male strip club and they attracted all these ladies outside of their calves by dancing on the hoods of their calves. And they all got their calves full of ladies. And then poor Albert was left alone, uh, standing out in front of the strip club. And one cute brunette comes out yeah, and she kind of gives him a look Yeah, and he kind of gives her a look. And, and then she's he, built like Joe Sholin. Her hair is long, yes, dark, like Joe Sholin. Long, it's, it's, kind of, it's a little dark out. Yeah. And then she kind of, and then he gets ready to turn around and talk to her, and like her boyfriend comes out and puts his arm around her. So I get the joke, but the fact that very shortly after he starts making eyeballs with. I'm pretty sure it was within a scene or two after. It was. That. It was the next scene. They were in the diner. And, and, so and the way she smiles like, at him is very that shy, coy yeah, like smile. She him. Oh, you're the boy from outside the male strip club. That apparently I'm <laughs> underage and shouldn't have been in. So, so apparently um, your grandmother's overprotective with cabbies, but it's okay. But male strippers okay. are totally Over on the table. Chipping down. Literally on the table. Got it. <clears throat> All right. I understand. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so she was another one. Uh, uh, Joel, Jill Sholin was, was another um, person that was in, it was very famous. And then the last one I'll bring up last one on my list uh-huh. at the, towards the end of the movie, the you were talking about the uh, the the guy that was continually stealing from Roz. Yes. Or yes, whatever. I recognized him and I couldn't place it, and I haven't bothered looking. Um, he, I I saw the same thing. I'm like, who who do I you know where do I know him from? Who is he? So I looked him up. What I remember him from, he was the bad guy sort of in Greece and Greece. Too. Oh, the real bad. Long- like they have they have like the bad acne scars. Yes. Uh, I forget what they called him uh, in that. Um, oh, oh like, yeah, but I remember who you're talking about. Yeah, he was the, the greaser. Yes. Yeah, but, I, in, that, but in Greece 2, he was Balmudo. He, he, was, he was in Greece 2 or Greece 1? Both. But he played different characters. He brought, he was the, no, I, I take that back. Same character, different people. In the first one, he was in the bad guy gang, uh, the leader of the Scorpions, and he was called Leo. But in Greece 2, he was Balmudo, and he was more of a primary character in that one. He was so they had the same actor play two totally different characters in the same universe. You got it. So it was like a it was like Law and Order SVU <laughs> with the yes where, where or they, uh, oh yes be, uh, or like Mash 
because in MASH they have the guy that plays Potter later. In an earlier episode, he was a crazy colonel that they hmm. section eight. You remember that in, in SVU? Do you remember the, the woman who ended up becoming one of the district attorneys that something happens to at some point? She had in a one of the early, early on episodes yes. had been involved like in some case where they had raped like a male stripper, yeah. which it fitting to what we're talking about now. <laughs> kind so, of. Uh, anyway, I recognize him from Greece and Greece, too, is where I, he, is, he was very familiar. It's the blonde hair and yeah. everything. Um, so it, it definitely had a lot, a lot of people in it um, that you would recognize. Not all of them were big uh, box office draw names, but a lot of people. And there were more than, than what we. Um, Did you recognize Arnie? He was the. African-American Emerald Cab Company guy that kept coming in trying to get Roz to go with I them. didn't look him up. But, but did you recognize looked, him? Yes. And he's uh, he was a guy who was balding. You know, mm-hmm. he's like almost bald on top yep. and, yep. and had the sides. He um, he I, I felt as if he had been in a movie we've covered. Now, I, for some reason, had it in my head. It was something relatively recent, meaning within the last since we even started back up again. I was like, was he in there over was the a guy in over the top that had a hair? like that maybe and maybe he had a bit although uh, i don't know i just looked him up and i didn't see over the top the one though that i did see that immediately jumped out of me he was in the last dragon oh yes he, that's what, right was he the dad was he um no no because the dad was um be sure he might have been i always think of the dad as um god i can't remember you're cut you're Put me on the spot. I don't remember. Well, the I guess I guess I, I suppose that while you're talking, I could just look it up and see. Could look it up. No, I don't. Th- I thought the dad on Last Dragon was like in a TV series. He also like had a TV His series. His name was Daddy Green. The guy that played uh, Arnie. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't. I don't remember. He did look familiar, but uh, um, I didn't look him up, and I don't remember what I'd seen him in. Yeah, well, it would be. It says Daddy Green, so Leroy Green was. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Daddy yeah. Green. Yeah, so, yeah. all right, maybe it was. Who am I thinking of then? I really have no idea. Somebody I'm thinking of is, whatever. So, uh, yeah, lots and lots of people in this, and I'm sure there are more if we dug into it, um, including point number two I have about this movie. Uh, there was a little bit of racy kind of sexual content in this. I was... Uh, yeah, but that was what's I, weird. It's I was prim- taken off guard. Well, I, I knew that... Felt- well, it, most most eighties, early eighties, especially comedies, always have the booby shots, and that's okay. Yes, yes. Most eighties uh, adult comedies had a couple booby shots. We saw at least twelve pair in this one, all in a row. I'd say straight up. The boobs um, go marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. So let's set this up for those of you who haven't seen it, because seriously, go out to Netflix, watch this without kids around. Um, They pick up. It was Gary Busey and uh, um, Adam Baldwin. Yeah, Albert were in the cab. He was kind of shadowing Gary Busey and they pick up this woman. And she basically says, I have to take my bra off so it doesn't leave marks. I'm going to a gentleman's club. You know, drive me there. Uh, isn't it so, fascinating you call it a gentleman's club, but there's chicks with their tatas hanging out? No, she, yeah, she called it like a men's club or a gentleman's club, she called it. Yeah, I, I know. So, I don't know that's what people yeah, call them. I just find it amusing. Gentlemen. That's where gentlemen go. Yeah. Of course. So <laughs> the, the comedy of it is she basically takes her bra and top off in the cab. Of course. And they're like, ah, oh, okay, huh. And so they pull up. She puts her shirt back on with her bra off so that it, no marks are left. They pull up into the porta and She gets out. And she's like, nah, 
F you, I'm going to steal, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pay. And she runs off. See, I thought she was going to tell them they got paid but from the show. She kind of said that, but she was just like, I'm not going to pay you. So she left and Gary Busey says to little Albert, go get our money. So Albert just walks in and apparently you can just wander into a back door of a nudie club. Well, and, and, and in, in, in classic Hollywood, <laughs> we won't make just another cliche of the young, dumb Southern boy. I, I'm so naive. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> wow. You folks in your big city ways. <laughs> so suddenly he's Kenneth from yeah, 30 Rock. I don't drink coffee. Yeah, it's the, the devil's, devil's temperature. temperature. <laughs> so, so he walks into like a back door of this, of this topless club. Mm-hmm. And as he stands there, literally, they parade like 10 women topless. It felt like showgirls for a minute. It there. Was, you know what it reminded me of that whole sequence from the moment she gets in the cab through the point where he's thrown out. It, oh, no, sorry. Through the point where she runs butt naked. Yeah. We'll out get to into the in street. Yeah. It felt as if. Joel Schumacher was given a checklist by the <laughs> studio. Okay, yeah. uh, you need to have, in at some point in this film, there needs to be at least 18 pairs of boobs. A couple, one, couple, uh, a couple of asses. Woman. Thongs we will accept as long as you can see plenty of cheek. <laughs> and we need and one full nudity. One full frontal glimpse or two. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm saying we need a woman with full lips and we don't mean <laughs> on her face. And then and we, he's like, uh, check. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And we need that preferably within the first 30 minutes so that the teenagers so, and the audience will be happy and so he, stick around he, for the rest of the nonsensical plot so that <laughs> they think yeah. there's more coming haha, on them. There is it. And they will. You're right. Exactly. Because that's the only really, well, take that back. There are two kind of sexual scenes in this. Uh, and I say sexual, there's no sex in this part, but plenty of nudity. And he walks in, he sees all these topless women walking back and forth. Then they show a scene of the gentleman's club, which is basically a bunch of really greasy, nasty old white guys, which is shocking in a gentleman's club. <laughs> with all of these young topless girls serving them drinks and they're stuffing money into their thongs. So they th- then, uh, of course, Albert gets thrown out by the bouncer. Gary Busey runs in. The, gr- the girl who had been in their cab has a thong stuffed with money. He grabs the entire thing and yanks it on, breaks it off of her, runs out to the cab, jumps in, they drive away, and the woman, fully nude, mm-hmm runs after the cab to the sidewalk and yells at them and starts chasing kind of down the sidewalk. And then a bouncer comes out a good five to seven seconds later, wrapping a tablecloth. Of course. course. Well, because it's it's a a gentleman's club. So she is a lady. He wants to cover her trying to protect her honor, her dignity. So here's what's going through my head. Yes. And of course, this is your old me. Wait, your head, my head, the one up here, up here. Hey, eyes up here, buddy. All right. So here's what's going through my head because I'm ruined at this age. I'm thinking, damn, I wonder how they filmed that shot because it doesn't look like she's actually wearing a bodysuit or anything. Oh, no, she was not. No, no, she was nude. 
did they actually shut that street down? Because they kind of showed like an older couple walking on the sidewalk that she runs up to. As they, she's yelling they probably closed it down on either How side. How did they do? Did they put blinds? So I'm thinking of freaking movie things of the shot as this fully nude woman runs out into the and, street. And how do you know you've had one too many <laughs> spoonfuls of saltpeter that your that your libido has literally collapsed in on itself like a neutron star while you're watching a woman on natural an attractive woman on natural what do you she think was, about it's yeah. the logistics of shooting such a, a scene in broad daylight in a busy part of Washington, D.C. And that is goddamn exactly what's going through my head. So, <laughs> and I can't say I completely disagree with that point. I think I this, and I don't. I don't consider myself a prude, a prune, no. but not a prude. Not but, a prude. But the whole time I was thinking, wow, this this kind of gives a valid argument to all those people that want to be pissy and moany about how folks who make movies, especially from that era, yeah. were totally misogynist sexist pigs because there was no reason for that scene other than to show tatas like there was exactly it served nothing that came back to the plot later no. nothing that you know, it wasn't like the you know the the nudity and love making a terminator well it kind of makes sense spoiler alert without it you don't have john connor so no, and it wasn't even like a Porkies, where well, the whole movie was about sex charge. Yeah, and kids, uh, yeah, kids trying to lose their yes. At least that's the point to no. the freaking movie. No. The rest of it, they never go. That that's not a theme of the other, movie. So other than other than the f bomb being dropped repeatedly and the rampant racist jokes. Okay, so well, well, other than that, yes, you take that scene out. It's borderline PG. PG, PG-13. Yeah, well, it, would, no, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't have been a PG-13 because I wasn't around then. Oh, okay. That's right. But I'm saying it by, well, not even by today's series, but yeah, PG. That brings me to my other point. Yes. So this was definitely an R. A lot of language in this one. Uh, and I'm not saying that as a pruder the same way. Because some of it did fits. they offend offend your sensibilities, yeah. Jason? Oh. No, no, it didn't. I, I heard dirty words. I don't like dirty words. No, no, I'm a potty mouth. Uh, you know that. Um, just not as much on the show because I don't know who's listening to me. But yeah. <laughs> I love you, mom. <laughs> so you, you don't know who's <laughs> listening to you. <laughs> no one. Yeah. So I should probably be a little more relaxed. But <clears throat> um, the biggest thing for me wasn't you know the the, the F-bombs they dropped or any of that stuff because that was all right. It was really the third point of this movie that that uh, I mentioned. It it was pretty racially offensive. Uh, I, I, how how how, uh, <laughs> so, how do you mean? I, I We don't have another hour to go into this, but let me start with a couple of subtleties. Subtleties. I'm going to start with um, I'm going to start with the fact that when the hack commissioner, uh, which is the guy that uh, issues the licenses mm -hmm. in cities for those who drive cabs, right? Yes, yes. And they're, they're, they're shield and all that. Uh, he comes to complain. They mess with his car, backs into the China Dragon restaurant. Yes. Uh, they all come out. They are all mm -hmm. of uh, Asian descent. I'm going to assume they're supposed to be Chinese, right? Mm -hmm. And um, one of the characters in the cabs the one who uh, uh i forget his name now who's the guy that had the curlers in his hair and did the whole 
because we're going to talk well, about you know, how- uh, Ch- uh, Charlie Barnett is the actor. And I'm brain farting on his name. Character too. name. I don't Hold remember. On. I don't remember. Tyrone. Tyrone. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, his driving by making the Charlie Chan face. <laughs> doing that as he drove by those people crashing into and all of them coming out. So that was one little. Um, and the other subtle, subtle teeth. Uh, Gary Busey. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> I'm not even going to repeat it. Uh, he kind of uses part of the N word and mm-hmm. uh, talks about how when you if you can get in with those people and I'm I'm quoting the movie, folks, you got to watch it. Uh, trust me. Um, well, they're in Washington, D.C. I think that's the first point. Be to a token white person in their group. Well, yeah, well and, he said, well, he said to, now, first off, I will say this. The racial stuff makes you a little uncomfortable at times because we're used to a more PC environment where the character that Dell was playing, I did particularly find it offensive because he's a moron. And I believe they were just playing that up that in his mind, he was trying to watch out for Albert. And what he was saying wasn't a bad thing. He was just making the point that Washington DC had a much larger African-American population and that he feels like if they are are good at getting in with the African-American community now when, as he put it, they are all taking over the army and will realize they have all the missiles and the guns and they could take everything away, that it'll be a great position for both Dell and Albert to be token white boys. Now, I'm sure that's, exa- that's exactly had his had his prophecy come to fruition who'd be laughing now yeah little little known fact uh that was actually the plot line for dc cab number two which never got made yeah uh, dropping a deuce uh yes well but see here's what's interesting and i think it's balanced out by the fact that the tyrone character you mentioned earlier yeah goes out of his way to come across as this I don't even know, thuggish, stereotypical, hood rat type. Now, if they had left him there, then I'd be like, oh, yeah. But as it turned out, what I love is when they do this in movies, that it's an act that he actually had been going to college. They never get necessarily into specifically what happened that made him leave. But you get the impression he's far more intelligent, far more wise and worldly and everything else than he was letting on and it was all an act and there's just a lot of anger in him and so when he comes to me in the end it ends up being as much his story as it was albert's maybe more so just because i feel like he actually took action in the end whereas albert i'm gonna i'm gonna call shenanigans here because i think that if they had left him as his original character it would have fit with the rest of the movie yeah and he would that would have been a horrible racial stereotype in this movie been racist as hell well so was uh, so were all the other characters they had in it so was paul rodriguez's yeah but no uh, yeah so was otis uh, bongo the guy that played the jamaican but but, but, i'm not from jamaica yeah well that was that was funny because i'm not from jamaica i'm from brooklyn but but, but i I feel like with tyrone but tyrone they went out of their way to have in the movie a lot no, they tried 
it was piss poorly executed is what I I think. will totally disagree with you. Uh, no. So uh, let it be known on the record, ladies and gentlemen, and your honor, Jason likes it when characters are portrayed as one dimensional stereotypes and not given the chance to grow or to, I don't know, surprise us in any way as three dimensional human beings. In fact, Jason likes DC Cab better as a one dimensional racist comedy, whereas Joel would like it. That they presented oh, a character that. that could have so easily been just a horrible stereotype as a character who has depth and integrity. Continue with your point. Are you done? Uh-huh. Dumbass. No. It was it was the fact that that portion of it uh-huh. felt so forced and so poorly executed that I didn't feel like it was real. It, it, the whole thing, like, okay, so they have this one scene. Right. Where Tyrone takes his wig off because he's Mm -hmm. been wearing this wig the whole time with Mm -hmm. curlers and he's playing Mm -hmm. the role. Right. He's playing the role the whole time and he takes the wig off, says, no, I went to college. But that surprised you. Huh? I was it. But I left. That was so poorly written. Dude, you're out of your. No, it was. That was one of the best. That was one of the best seeds in the movie. It was the worst. And here's the thing. If they had continued that later, because there is a point at which Tyrone says, I don't want to be part of this group anymore. And he leaves on his own. And then the group itself, it all comes together without Tyrone. If they had played that out like he had gone off. And they had made an intelligent attempt to do something with his character where he was trying to do something different because he's supposedly intellectual and he's just caught in this anger cycle. Instead, what do they do? They have him doing the exact same thing, selling dumbass freaking uh, Uncle Sam memorabilia. And, uh, you know, well, the, but the yes, whole- but that, that gave Della a chance to come up and go, who are you, Uncle Sambo? So that, that, <laughs> it, that set up that joke. Wonderfully, uh, but they could. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, I get what they were trying to do, and I do prefer when they do that whole bait and switch of it's not what it seems to be, and I and especially with characters, especially with characters that are supposed to be one dimensional, and they throw that depth in of there's really more to it that to, more to them than what they're showing you because you and I've talked. We like that in real life when you're surprised by somebody who you've made a judgment by and that awakens you to the idea that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. The only thing I felt like in this one was it was not very well executed. And I didn't feel a connection to he really was a smart guy who was playing it because the rest of the movie was such a bananas stereotype caricature. Everybody else was this cartoon character and he was. They were trying to break him out as something different. See, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think Harold was. No, he 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 and Albert as the yeah as the movie protagonists were above that. I felt. Yeah. The rest of them were supposed to be this ensemble cast of Mr. T and Bill Maher as mm-hmm. the you know as the the musician with the political point and Gary Busey as the you know sexist, misogynistic, racist white. <laughs> crazy cokehead devil <laughs> devil he was god he was a great part of this movie <laughs> so, <laughs> I, i'm gonna just let the cow the bag right now i actually really love this movie i, I did wait, wait, wait. So it, you know the part I, you know the part i fell in love with it that that scene that i that, that scene that i played i i, mean, I, ha, I have to i have to do it one more time finish your point um so but uh, but i i can i can accept in a film when they've got the the, the protagonist being above that 
because the rest of the characters are caricatures around them are supposed to just play a role. It felt weird that they tried to play Tyrone in that. I mean, well, I, I, it, I will say I agree it was uneven. The whole movie is uneven. Well, yes, we exactly. won't even get into the whole thing about him being about Albert being kidnapped. That was so out of left field. Yet they kind of set that up early on, I guess, in hindsight. But, sort of. But, but, it's, but it was the and most who? contrived. And I'm <laughs> yes. using air quotes. Plot <laughs> twist. <laughs> I, I, it, it's honestly the most. It's the most. It's the most contrived plot cr- plot twist since giving that chick a cock in Crying Game. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> that was no. Supposed, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> it was actually that was a great plot twist. Which is bad in that the, that whole kidnapping thing was the second worst plot twist, contrived plot twist in this movie. Mm-hmm. The first was the fact that somebody left a half million oh, yeah. dollar violin in what, the back of what, one of the what a half million dollar violin. In 1983 dollars, so it's worth, what, $2.5 million maybe? Yeah, something like and that. And offered a $10,000 reward. <laughs> no, it was 10000 to each of the people. No. 10000 flat. Oh, I thought they each nope. got 10000 No, nope. no, because they each Dude, said they got $10,000. Look it up. Actually, on the, and of course, MDBA is the go-to perfect, uh, never-wrong gotcha. trivia. But yeah, it actually so says. It would have been, no, we didn't find it. I'm going to fly to uh, to Austria and sell this on the black market. No, yeah, exactly. Yes, you're, you're Stradivarius. We're going to definitely keep, give that back to you. You know, I thought it too because when Mr. T goes, oh, I got $10,000, I'm rich, and he gets all happy, I was like, yeah. wait a minute, they're giving each of them? That would be that half of what the thing the is worth. It was like $50,000. No, it was ten grand, and they gave it to Harold because he owned the cab company and because they couldn't figure out whose cab it came from because Mr. Rhythm had it. Oh, that sucks ass. So the idea was that's why he told Myrna everybody will chip in their share, which would be like what six hundred and forty-two dollars and twenty-eight cents or whatever it works out to be, and that was yeah. So that's why when Albert shows up with his six thousand and change, it's at least somewhat close to what they would have yeah. had had Myrna not been the money grubber. Yeah, that she was. Hussy. And the moment that I knew I, I kind of loved this movie, even though I will admit right off the top, this movie is horrible. It's horribly it made. Is. It is uneven <laughs> it as hell. Is. Despite Jason's completely wrong headed assessment of Tyrone's revelation, <laughs> the rest of the movie is horribly written. And <laughs> main, from, it's, it's, it's wildly uneven, but there's something oddly endearing about it. And it is. And it's it, 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 this 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 embodies it. Myrna, you know the only thing wrong with oral sex? Huh? <laughs> the view! <laughs> that laugh. Not even the joke. No. And it, oh, shit. <laughs> it's a fact that that was the most honest, really, you know, that scene is out of, like everything else in this movie, it's so out of left field. It doesn't even fit. It's, the scene's over. He walks up to this character who's preoccupied with her nails. She's one. Um, it's Harold's her, wife. Yes, who has no sense Harold's of humor. Wife. They've established that. No sense of humor at all. So he comes up to her, leans in, in that gappy toothed Gary Busey. You just know the man just smells of of musk, mothballs, and meat. And, and whiskey. And whiskey, <laughs> definitely whiskey. And he says that, and it's the laugh afterwards. It's, you just start laughing. It's, 
Because it's so like it's so like, he cracked himself up. And there's so and there's he moments was. throughout the movie like that. It was you know what it was. It's infectious because everybody in this movie seemed even they all knew it was horrible, but they all had a good time making it. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't really. You know, it's funny because they they played up Mr. T as the main character in this because at the time he was a oh uh, that was a marketing a move after the right. fact. Yeah, because yeah, Rocky Three I think came out the year before eighty two. Oh, eighty two. <laughs> there's that year again. Continue, Jason. So um, it was <laughs> shut up. So so I, I recognize they played him up as like the biggest celebrity in this from that time. Yeah. But he played just as little a part as all the rest. Yeah, of them did. I would say he was slightly above Paul Rodriguez and that crew, but not as much as, say, Tyrone and obviously Albert. And uh, yeah, I would say if you looked at the number of lines, he was definitely in the lower third. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah, he was but, definitely not the star. He he stood out, and of course, mainly because his lines. I I swear to you, every that that, that little monologue I play at the beginning, every you, scene he's like, in, are it's similar to that. He's you kept waiting for that that whole that shooting star to go across to go across the yeah, TV screen. The more say, you know, you know. <laughs> well, and was, here's the thing: I'm not going to deny Mr. T. In real life, he is a wonderful guy. I, I have, I, and he was he, good in this. He, he plays the same character. He plays oh, himself. Yeah, he plays himself uh, to the to a to a T. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 that never gets old. Uh, yeah, he here in real life. I have heard, and apparently during the shoot of this, some of the research I did. They said he spent his time, his free time, at children's hospitals and charities. So the guy is a friggin' saint. In real life, he just seems like he's this wonderfully giving, generous man. And he scares the crap out of me. So, <laughs> And let me tell you, that takes a lot. Because in this movie, Mr. T proves that in the 80s, to be a tough, badass mofo, yeah, yeah. all you had to do was wear earrings with feathers dangling off yes, of them. Yes, and day glow and leggings. out of flash dance with neon colors on Yeah, day glow, day glow dance, uh, day uh, skin dance yeah. With a belt that was three inches wide yes. across his Something face. in your head right now, folks out there, those of you that grew up in the 80s, you'd visualize a bunch of tweens at a mall wearing circa 1987. <laughs> it was something that Myrna in this movie, I think she wore the exact same thing later. Yes. The uh, difference is, Mr. T will freaking kill you just by looking at you. He doesn't have to yes. touch you. And uh, they've got to play the whole he busts through a wall because he's super strong. And you know, go back and watch it. When I was a kid, Mr. T was a badass. He was tough. You remember, his cartoon? You remember the cartoon? Oh, so, yes. Remember cartoon? Mr. T cereal? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm pity I the fool that don't eat my cereal. Yes. Actually, that was and in Pee Wee's Play. It was that, hey, we could finally do it because remember we talked about Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure? He was eating Mr. T cereal in the breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Connect the dots. La, la, la. So, and of course, in Rocky Three, he was uh, Clubber Lang, yeah. you know, badass, tough guy. And then in A Team, he was always a tough guy. And then I watched this movie and think, he's not that big. You know, he's not like a giant. He's not tall. Oh, no. Well, like those other, those other two guys, the twins, the brothers, they were freaking massive. Yeah, they were gigantic. Plus, they were taller, and yeah, they were bigger. But yeah, he's—I would say he's probably. I mean, he's still—he's a big dude. He's, but he's probably like in that movie. I'm guessing what two twenty, two thirty, which is big. But in your head, you always imagine Mr. T was a mountain. Yeah, of course, because as a kid, you're like, oh my god. Um, by the way, speaking of the uh, the uh, the Paul brothers, mm -hmm. I just just for shits and giggles, I've got to go watch one of the movies that Double Trouble. 
I've heard of that. From 1992, because they're twins. Yeah. And they're big, buff bodybuilder twins. Yeah. Just look at the um, the trailer or the movie poster. Full mullets and nice. half shirts. <laughs> well, hey, wait, wait. I'm so, oh, I I remember this video box, dude. I remember this video. Oh, Roddy McDowell's in it. Yes. Oh, and David Carradine, Troy Donahue. Speaking of Greece, remember James yeah. Doohan, dude. Timothy Stack. What the so, f? Louis Arquette. Yet Rosanna, Patricia, and um, yeah. um, David Arquette's dad. He was in Scream. He played the sheriff. Yep. Holy so, crap on a cracker. I'm if Bobby Brown is who I think it is, Peter's girlfriend, I wonder if that's a chick from the Cherry Pie videos. We are so doing this movie next year. <laughs> so I saw this and thought, son of a gun, we've got to put this on our list. Because I don't think it was Scott. I just think pie. it was never known. Wait, wait, wait. User reviews. The very first one, one star. Not for the faint of heart. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> wait, when your review starts uh, up with such a level of apathy that you can't even, <laughs> I don't know. Who cares? Uh, it's not even I worth it. What the fudge ever. So wait, anyway. Twin this... brothers. One's a good cop. The other is bad news. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Dude, this is the best thing ever. This may be better than a gnome named Gnorm, and it's R. And it's R, which surprised me because I you look at the, the Oh, it looks cover. like it's some kind of bad kid comedy. It's P- yeah, like, a PG, yeah. like the, the the three ninjas kick back or something. Exactly. Like the baby dog. The Chuck Norris right. remember that one? Top dog. Oh. So um oh my yeah, God, this this is gonna be on our list. <laughs> See, this is the kind of and, movies we need to be doing right here, buddy. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it says something when the writers only wrote this. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder how that happens. Uh, now, I so, will say one thing before we wrap this uh, bad boy up. Yeah. There's a key person involved with this movie, aside from Joel Schumacher, behind the scenes, that you failed to mention. And I could uh, I could have you killed for that. Uh, me? Oh, you. Me? You, Mister, I'm going to go through and talk about all the people. Dean. There's a lot. I just I focused on the people in it. I didn't even look up a lot of the behind uh, the scenes. You should people. be ashamed of yourself. So tell me, is it the cameraman? Yes. Is it, is it really? Yes. Um, Dean. Oh, Dean Cundy did this. Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, Apollo thirteen, Rancing the Stone, Halloween, The Thing. I'm running out of breath. Lake Monster. Oh, shut up! Because he's he's he, in my opinion, is one of the greatest DPs. Yeah, I'd have to agree. If you think about it, every every movie that shaped our childhood, oh, not every, but a lot of them, is his vision. I mean, he he is the light master. He is controlling the light, the shadow, the. You know, he, the director tells him what he wants to see. This is the guy that makes it happen. So every time you saw a movie, those images that are seared into our brains, giving us C and D, this is the guy. Man. Wow. And you didn't mention him. God, you I didn't suck. Mention him. <laughs> so, uh, Jay, on that note. <sighs> you ready for our picks? I'm uh, thinking I'm ready for our picks. Hi, this is Kevin Batchelder. And this is the Saturday B movie reel. Shoot it! Shoot it! <laughs> <laughs> that about describes it. Yeah. All right, everybody, stay here. 
we look specifically at the Sci-Fi Channel's original movies. You know the ones. The ones that air on Saturday night. Be known throughout the ages is an instant classic. <laughs> we need a bigger gator! Uh, limb cutting yes. and blood squirting from... <laughs> Flying limbs, I called them. it in my notes. What could go wrong? We look on a regular basis at the movies as they come out, and since there have been over 200 of them, we do go back and look at many of them that are now out on DVD. At this point, I had completely forgotten any semblance of seeing if this actually makes any sense from a plot point of view. So come on by, get involved, and have some fun. Check us out at SaturdayBeMovieReal.com. Our future depends on it. Make it safe. I should have probably started that, that with, but first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> a commercial break. Yeah, first a commercial break. And of course, all our podcasting friends out there, if you have promos and we like them, and money. Send well, money. Yeah, dream on dream on that one, buddy. <laughs> you may send them to as if I'm giving you the permission. I grant the permission to send your promos to send this, um, Joel yeah. at forgottenflix.com where I will promptly throw them in the trash. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, please send them in. We're happy to play them. And sure. why not? So All Jason, right. do you have a pick? Uh yes. And I've made a decision. Oh, God, we're going to be here all night. <laughs> oh, you said you made one. I think you said you had to make one. No, I made one. Okay. I've decided. Long since, ago, uh, <laughs> never to walk in anyone. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> Name the movie. Name that the movie. good. Yeah. That boy's good. <laughs> you must be out of your goddamn mind. I've decided it is now my mission in life. Yes. Uh, to come up with picks hmm. that annoy you. Wow. Most of all. And you know, so it's important to have see. a purpose. It's good to see that you've taken everything you've learned in your 64 years on this planet <laughs> and put them to such good, powerful yeah. use to better mankind. Go ahead, yeah, Jay. I'm going to see if every week I can top. Oh, God. How much? A course line that's <laughs> never going to happen. Bro, you could, really? you could bust out with. Really? You're you really yeah. you're gonna say that you're yep. gonna throw that gauntlet down. I am throwing it the hell down because you'll never top it. Because Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher. No, really, wait. no. But here's the thing: it <laughs> wasn't just that you picked a chorus line. It was the revelation of the musicals. Thing. It was everything. Like I've known you for almost five years, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> so it was all of that working in concert. You'll never top it. Haven't done any musicals on our show. We we need to cover one. Uh, we could do a little shop of horrors. That is all. Uh, I'll come up with a list. Maybe Flashdance. Does that count? <laughs> no. Because that's just all Mr. T's wardrobe. Uh, oh, uh, on women. So. Mr. T, uh, let it be known, Jason <laughs> D. Grooms made that comment. I love him. Thank you. I, yeah, no. No, I'm picking one uh -huh. that I have very fond memories of. Dying this, young. It is. No, I have... <laughs> No, it is a Joel Schumacher, and I looked through a couple of things. Uh, uh, I looked through the, the music, I looked mm -hmm. through some of the other, because obviously plenty of other actors to pick stuff from. I actually went with Joel Schumacher because I saw this and thought, oh, I didn't know he did this. I have not seen it damn near 30 years. Wow. Uh, but The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin. Oh, he did that? Oh, okay, I remember that movie. I, I, th I totally thought you were going to pick St. Elmo's Fire and I was going to rag on you. 
Actually, uh, I like the Incredible String Finger Woman. That's cool. Yeah, I remember this. I remember as a kid watching Charles it. Grodin, right? Wasn't he in that? Yes, Charles yeah. Grodin played uh, 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 Lily Tomlin, um, played Pat, who like mixes together accidentally all these household chemicals, and they create this uh, – they, they make her start to shrink. And yep. the whole movie is her slowly shrinking, and it's it's mainly a comedy. You know, there's some drama-ish moments where it's sad and things are happening. Um and she's trying to find a cure, and, and Charles Grodin plays her husband, and um, Ned Beatty's in it, and and uh, um, a handful of other people you'll recognize. You know, John Glover's in it as well. Um, but it's it's actually, as I remember now, again, caveat: have not seen this in nary a few decades. But uh, I remembered it being really funny as a kid, and it at least brings back warm, fuzzy memories. So I didn't know Joel Schumacher did it. It's actually his first. A uh, full uh, feature-length directorial debut. He did mm-hmm. two TV movies, but this is the first to, uh, you know, I guess to screen movie he did um, uh, with Lily Tomlin. So I picked one because I like it, and you can kiss my ass. Actually, I think that was a good choice, and of course, you know what it was inspired by. No, it is inspired by the book "The Incredible Shrinking Man," which was also made into a movie, written by the late great, and we never had a chance to formally lament his passing month or so ago richard matheson the man who also oh, brought yeah. us the yeah. time return which was turned into somewhere in time a love story i like with christopher <laughs> reeve and jane seymour and of course i am legend the book uh, yeah. which has been made in three movies etc cetera, etc cetera, and stir of echoes and what dreams may come and so yeah good yeah. stuff one of my no, favorites it was definitely uh it, we've talked about him a lot especially his his writing influence and everything and he just passed away this last month uh, ish in June, end of June, but uh, we've talked about him in our private time, in our in our <laughs> special quiet time. <laughs> yes, come on, come on in, Jason. <laughs> it's hard to do that whistle thing. Yes, Jason. Oh, Chris. Yeah, hey, Chris. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris is easier to do. Jason's harder. Chris, Chris. <laughs> the way the sh. <laughs> okay. So my, so pick. That's my pick. What's yours, Mark? Come on. Come well, on, originally, originally I was going to go with I, I had to pick a Kundi or Kundi movie. Nah. I was going to do that before you dissed him, but now I really have to. I was going to go with Halloween three, and then it occurred to me. Wait, wait a second. Back that truck up for a second. Yeah. I did not diss him, dude. Dude, diss by omission. <laughs> oh, uh, you did an omiss diss. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to try and get him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> that's true. You just said try. I said try. I didn't say I'm going to. Oh, that's act. true. That's true. Okay. So, so I was going to go Halloween 3, and then A, I think I've already picked it before, and B, it seems like one I should wait for Spooky Flicks Fest anyway. So, yes. so my pick, one I have not seen in a long time as well, probably not, since, probably not since you were 40. <laughs> it is 1987's Project X. You've never picked that one, have you? Uh, Matthew Broderick, right? Yes. Where he's got the chimp and... Yep, uh, yep. I, I feel as if uh, one of us may have picked it, but if we did it so damn long ago, nobody remembers it or cares. So I'm going with it. Project X and uh, my favorite thing in the world to do, or one of, reading IMDb brief <laughs> summaries. <laughs> summaries. <laughs> A young inductee into the military is given the task of looking after some chimpanzees used in the mysterious... 
Project X. Getting to know the chimps fairly well, he begins to suspect there is more to the secret project than he is being told. What sucks about that is that's actually a pretty decent plot summary. Uh-huh. Doesn't give anything away. Well written. No horribly twisted or broken English. Let's see about the what next about one. The other one. Virgil. <laughs> A chimpanzee who at first was being taught sign language so that he can communicate is now in the military. (gasps) An Air Force man, after committing some infractions, is assigned to the project involving the chimps. And he learns that Virgil knows sign language and talks with him. He eventually discovers what the project involving the chimps is and that it's inhumane. He contacts the woman who taught Virgil sign language and they try to save him. The end. (laughs) I added the end. (laughs) Spoiler alert on that summary. Uh, Project. What's that? After the fact. Yeah, after the fact. <laughs> Project X, of course, as you <laughs> ruined, I mean mentioned, starred Matthew, don't call me Ferris Broderick. <laughs> Helen Hunt is in it. She plays the woman who had taught Virgil sign language. And I love the fact that William Sadler's in it. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten spots before you get to Mr. Sadler's name and IMDb are occupied <laughs> by the chimps. <laughs> Yes, they are top billing. I bet he loves that. (laughs) Jonathan Stark is in it. And if I'm not mistaken, he looks like the guy from Fright Night. I have to look this up now. It's going to drive me crazy. He, okay, no, House 2, the second story. That's right. He was uh, the, oh, I was right. He was Fright. He was Billy Cole in Fright Night. Ha ha. Good. Go me. Uh, Let's see here. (laughs) And Gene Smart was in it. I'm going through. Daniel yeah. Roebuck, another one of those character actors. Who's, remember, he was Arnst in Lost, the science oh, teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have Arnst on, on you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, yeah. So those are the primary folks. It was directed by Jonathan Kaplan, who did The Accused, which I believe Jodie Foster won an Academy Award for. May have I don't think it was uh. her first. She won Taxi Driver, pretty sure. But one of her many. Uh, he also did one of my favorite Early 1990s interloper films, the uh, unlawful entry, which I think I've also made a pick in the past. Mm. So he uh, he did he did those. But Mr. Kundi was the DP. And it's one of those movies, as I recall, it was obviously making a statement about the mistreatment of these animals for experimentation. You get that from the trailer. Yep. And I just remember being very sad. And I also remember the chimp. Uh. I think it was a Goliath. I think yes, the big one. Yes, yeah, the yes, big yes. one. And I think you remember yep. the scene I'm referring to. Yeah. And he's on the bed. Uh, yeah. It was sad. Yeah. Was um, movies make, one of those movies makes you want to break into an animal lab and free them all <laughs> so that the Rottweiler from the lab where you freed them can go live with you and Ali Sheedy and Lance Hendrickson <laughs> could be stalking you and the dog could be really super intelligent. Or you free them and it's a really smart golden retriever and he's got this weird psychic link to some giant skunk ape looking thing and Corey Hames shows up and anyway, what? Or you free them and they actually have the Ebola virus. And oh kill yeah, or yeah, a bunch of, bunch of, <laughs> uh, a bunch of capuchin monkeys and <laughs> they throw Yay! poop at you and give you Ebola. Yeah, 12 monkeys. Oh, or 12 uh, monkeys, yeah. They yeah. were all monkeys. Yeah, that was a movie I knew I actually loved Brad Pitt as an actor. Because like oh, if that yeah. dude is willing to get that pretty face, ugly it up that bad, yeah. you got to respect him. Yeah, I, I, I concur. <laughs> so, okay, that's not a bad pick. Double uh, trouble. I, I'm going to regret this like I did a gnome named Gnorm, and I don't, get, I don't get care. Because you're acting on emotion here. You're I acting know. On I see that nostalgia. image of these two guys, the, the halter top or whatever that guy's wearing in his mom <laughs> Levi jeans and the mullets and the, oh, my <laughs> God, this is just wonderful. 
Oh, we're so do you want to do this next week? I'm just kidding. I'm I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> this will be a 2014. So now, teaser for next year, you have something uh, to look forward to, folks. Double Trouble from 1992. Again, you could probably find this on the bestsellers rack at Best Buy right next to DC Cap. So right. yeah, possibly, possibly. So in that note, my friend, bad boy up. <laughs> yeah, I think we probably should do that. <laughs> do you have any final final words before? Oh, um, yeah, no, other than um, please, for the love of God, don't watch this movie with your loved ones around. Watch it alone in the dark. With your hand in your pants. <laughs>